At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Okay, busy show on tap today. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, let me see. What they get, what's going to be happening on Capitol Hill? Uh, speaker Pelosi will hold her weekly press conference. I think it did for her. I mean, next time she has a press conference, she won't be speaker. She's still going to stay there. And Leader McCarthy still trying to be the next speaker. will have a press conference today, too. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we have a busy hour. Uh, Dan Bilak will be joining us from the Ukraine, member of the uh, Ukrainian uh, government there, uh, fighting for their lives and doing extremely well. Will Kane at the bottom of the hour of Fox and Friends weekend. He's getting set to host New Year's Eve, too, with Pete as well as Rachel. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I share your your feeling of frustration and the need for more urgency, and I want to see that, uh, starting with the White House. Should the president be here, do you think? I think absolutely the president should be here. Democratic Congresswoman Veronica Escobar. All hell has broken loose. The borders are getting worse by the day. Clueless Joe's new plan is revealed. I'll detail it as another dem, as you just heard, calling for Joe to get to the border. But more important, crack down on the border. Number two. This 4,155-page bill, full of Democratic priorities, does nothing to protect the border. Quite to the contrary, it contains language undermining border security. He's right. It says prohibit money, all dollars prohibited from going to border security. You believe that? Omnibus delayed and could very well be busted as Republicans begin to realize this is no way to budget a country's bucks. And among its holes, it prohibits any border barrier. Number one. And your support is crucial to win on the battlefield. We have artillery. Yes. Thank you. Is it enough? Honestly, not really. Zelensky comes to town, reminding Americans Ukraine is at war, and without, without us, he can't win, saying his fight is our fight, and I agree. But we need President Biden to go all in or get out. Why? Because they've got to give a missile defense system the Patriot missile system. It's going to take weeks to train. I sense we've been training on him already, but they'll train probably in Germany, and I think we'll get them ready to go. But it's one battery, and they're great, and they're extraordinary, but who lives and who dies? I mean, you have Russia just haphazardly bombing hospitals and buildings and children, afraid they're not bombing barracks. So if we're going to give the Patriot, give the Patriot to the major cities, at least they know where to huddle and how to protect. And what isn't protected, use other missile systems for that. But I am proud that he is seeing the, the need to fight in the Ukraine. I don't understand I understand the argument, but I don't think it has any merit of people that don't think it's our fight. Don't worry about it. Let them fight. We had a hard time in Iraq. Olivia didn't work out. Nothing to do with that. I mean, this is a westernized democracy. While not being perfect, they have legitimate elections. They had an election that ousted the Russian-appointed, picked leader. They got a new guy in, Poshenko, and then they got a, 
then they got another guy, Pashenko, loses to Zelensky. Zelensky has turned out to be a charismatic leader who has stepped up to the cause and motivated the country and the world that Ukraine is the fight. And the enemy here is clearly a expansionist Russia and a cut down to size Vladimir Putin, thanks to Vladimir Zelensky. Cut one. What I can wish you, and of course, to be t- together with us, Jean-Le, because we really fight for our common victory against this tyranny. That is real life. And we will win. And I really want win together. Yeah, and I'd like to know exactly what what Europe's doing, all our allies are doing. And got to make sure they step on. And I can tell you right now, without looking at any numbers, you know Poland's doing everything, along with taking tons of refugees. And I'm not really sure. I like the leader of Hungary, but I don't see why he's splitting the difference. You're a member of NATO. You know Russia's done to you. You remember 1956 when they steamrolled you. That's the same attitude. They actually rolled into a country and just steamrolled the people. With the Czech Republic, I think it's 67. Same thing. When it all fell apart, Gorbachev didn't want to get it back. He tried to hold on to it, couldn't. Yeltsin understood we're better off being allies with the West. We are not their enemy. Whether mistakes were done along the way, I'm not sure. Maybe we expanded NATO too much. It's worthy of a debate. That maybe gave them the threat from their perspective. But Vladimir Putin comes in. And then he thinks that he walks on water, and now we find out that he walks on sand. And he's physically fallen apart, and his country's been exposed. But he's not quitting because he doesn't care about his people. He certainly doesn't care about the Ukrainians. Cut to. We share the exact same vision. And uh, that a free, independent, prosperous, and secure Ukraine is the vision. We both want this war to end. We both want it to end. And as I've said, uh, uh, it could end a day if Putin had any dignity at all and did the right thing and just said, pulled out. But uh, that's not going to happen. But not everybody's involved. People I really respect are against this whole operation. They're like, let Ukraine fall. It's not our problem. It's not a perfect democracy. That's an issue. I want to address two things that's been brought up on this channel. They say, well, uh, Zelensky is a dictator. Zelensky is a dictator. And he shut down two TV stations that didn't like him. No, there, there was a oligarch owned, Russian oligarch-owned stations that were broadcasting anti-Ukrainian things, pro-Russian messages. The hell with it. Goodbye. Would we put Al Jazeera when it was blustering, and it might still, I don't watch it, blustering out the anti-American messages? Would we allow that to thrive on a cable system while we're trying to take out Saddam Hussein if they had an anti-American message like when we're going after Osama bin Laden? No, we wouldn't have done that. And he doesn't have to worry about the Constitution there. And then you have a situation where he's going after a Christian church. It's a Russian Orthodox church that he believes is putting out pro-Russian messages to the masses, which would undermine the war effort and back up the invasion unprovoked that's taken place that's taken 15 percent of his country. That's why he shut it down. But Tulsi Gabbard, who I have infinite amount of respect for, totally disagrees when they cut 18. It's no surprise then when we look at what's happening here at home, Tucker, and it's no surprise how we see the political and power elite so easily and willing to undermine our own democracy, undermine our own freedoms, abusing their power to achieve their own political interests because they look to Zelensky's democracy 
and they see a reflection and an opportunity for themselves. Yeah, I don't see it that way. Zelensky previously estimated the cost of war uh, with a loss of tax revenue of $5 billion. So their economy has fallen apart. Ukraine will need an estimated $55 billion in foreign assistance in 2023 just to meet basic needs. Who's stepping up? The World Bank estimates the reconstruction and recovery in Ukraine will cost approximately $349 billion. The Russians should pay for that, all of it. Estimates are as high as $750 billion. Ukraine's GDP is projected to contract by 35%. We've given them one point eight. Uh, we've given them two point uh, eight billion dollars. Uh, more is going to be coming. That's the way it is. The U.S. committed twenty billion in security assistance to Ukraine since President Biden took office. Nineteen point three billion since the beginning of the Russian invasion. All right, uh, we'll discuss it. Uh, and I don't want to take too much time against my next guest, Don B- uh, Dan Bilak, uh, coming to us from the Ukraine. Uh, a lot of people don't want to hear it, but I will say this: I'm so proud of our channel. You have uh, Tucker Carlson who disagrees with me. Uh, I think that Sean Duffy disagrees with me. I think Sean Hannity uh, agrees with me. Uh, we have a great debate going on in, uh, with Brett Baer's show. Not sure where Jesse stands. I know Mark Tees and Neil Cavuto. Uh, they firmly agree with my uh, point of view. I, I will say this. It's not instinct. It's not only instinct. It's everything I've read, the people I've talked to, and understanding Vladimir Putin that makes me feel the way I do. No one's telling me. But... I guarantee you Nancy Pelosi is not standing there if Donald Trump did the exact same thing as Joe Biden. I guarantee you that Kamala Harris, Senator Harris, is not standing and applauding or even appearing if it was Donald Trump doing the same thing as Joe Biden. And I guarantee you that CNN and MSNBC aren't singing the praises of, uh, of the, this move, a foreign policy move, if it was Donald Trump. You can't say that about a Fox. We call it as we see it. And I think this is quite apparent. When we come back, Daniel uh, Billack joins us and then Will Kane. Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. The occupiers have a significant advantage in artillery. They have an advantage in ammunition. They have much more missiles and planes than we ever had. And it's true, but our defense forces stand. Uh, that is uh, uh, President Vladimir Zelensky yesterday, right in Washington. I imagine he could be back in Ukraine by now. Uh, Daniel Bilak joins us now, good friend of the show, member of the Territorial Defense Forces of Ukraine, former chief investment advisor to the prime minister of Ukraine and head of uh, Ukraine Invest. Daniel, welcome back. What was your impression of the your president? Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me back, Brian. I mean, I, I think he, he delivered a tour de force. And I think the timing of this visit was uh, absolutely uh, critical. And I, I really think that the main message for all the, the pomp and ceremony and circumstance was really his heartfelt and, and our heartfelt, the Ukrainian people's heartfelt, he called it appreciation, gratitude, thanks to the, to the American people, to the ordinary Americans who, who, have, who have supported us throughout. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Congress and the president, they do the allocations, but, you know, if we don't have the support of the American people, 
uh, nothing happens. And, you know, that, that was really a, a poignant moment when, when uh, the President Zelensky handed over and gifted to President Biden uh, the Medal for Valor that he had presented to a captain of a HIMARS unit in Bakhmut the day before. And Bakhmut is just a hellhole, as, as you know. Uh, terrible, terrible fighting there. And that captain handed it back to him and said, please give this to President Biden as a token of our appreciation to the American people, because your HIMARS have saved, kept, saved countless lives of my brothers in arms. I mean, I, I can't think of a, a more um, uh, poignant demonstration of, of, that, of the gratitude of the, of the people of Ukraine than that. Listen, I, I thoroughly, you know I see it. I'm preaching to the choir here, but this is our fight. I thoroughly believe it. We watched the Soviet Union. This is the same mindset. They want to reconstitute it. Ukraine is going to be gone. Moldova would be next. They'll be threatening Poland, infiltrating into the elections of the Baltic region. Next thing you know, they'll get compliant leaders, and they'll begin to spread and get stronger along the way. You've exposed their, the Russian military, and you have set them back 10 years if they'll ever be able to reconstitute, because clearly they put money into it, but it was not going into their weaponry and their training. Well, and you're, you're 100% right. And I think that uh, has to be thinking about the reason that the Americans are supporting us is because they understand that this is a war between Russia and the civilized world and its leader, the United States of America. You know, you're in this war because Putin wants you to be in this war, you know, and and we're on the front line of that war. We are defending U.S. interests uh, in Europe and and globally. Yeah, we're talking to Daniel Bill. The line's not not great, but I want you to hear, I want people at home to hear a little bit of the speech uh, from uh, President Zelensky. uh, Cut six. We have no fear, nor should anyone in the world have it. Ukraine's gained this victory, and it gives us courage, which inspires the entire world. Americans gained this victory, and that's why you have succeeded in uniting the global community to protect freedom and international law. So he motivational. I also love the way he wove in our past, and it was appropriate. The Battle of Saratoga. How did we prove to the French that we could win this war, that would be worthy of a fight, by winning a battle on our own. And when they started to win, then the French go, okay, this is probably worth it, and we wouldn't won without the French, our revolution, and also bring up Hitler and what we did in Europe. I just think that he's done a great job researching the countries addressing, especially ours. Yeah, absolutely. He referenced uh, the Battle of the Bulge, where 19,000 U.S. soldiers uh, died in, uh, in the last great offensive that Hitler put, in Christ- put forward in Christmas in 1944. And, you know, they died in, in, in Europe, and they died for their children and grandchildren so that they could be free and America would be, would be able to grow and prosper in a, in a, in a, in a world that, that had democracies in it and had the rule of law, an international rule of law and international order. And all of that is being threatened now all over again. And, you know, if, if Russia is not destroyed in Ukraine, if the Russian army is not destroyed in Ukraine, he's coming after you. You know, he's coming after your civil infrastructure. Just He's bombing ours. In fact, one of the reasons this line is probably a little shaky is that our, 
our internet's uh, uh, wonky and our electricity comes on and off. Um, but, you know, he's going to come after your electricity grids, uh, hacking into them, your railroads, your airports, your hospitals, interfere in your elections. And, you know, then he's going to come after the Baltic states and Poland, and that's going to involve U.S. And, Euro and European soldiers dying. Right now, we're doing the fighting. We're doing the dying. America supplies us right. with, with what we need to get it done. It's a good deal. And it's going to be a good, it's going to be a tough winter for you guys. Here's what Jack, you know General Jack Keane here. Here's what he told me 45 yep. minutes ago on TV, cut 13. The Ukrainians by themselves defeated the, the Russian ground maneuver, but Ukrainians could not have defeated the Russian artillery, which was a turning point in the war. That took the HIMARS systems and the drones to be able to do that, and also the artillery we gave them at, at what we call counter-battery fire. That permitted the Ukrainians to go on the offensive and retake territory. So these we weapon systems are, are crucial. We should give them everything that they need right. to retake as much territory as they can and get it to them sooner. We've got to recognize if we want this war to end, the sooner we give the Ukrainians everything they need so they can retake the territory, that begins right. the end of the war. Do you think part of the reason we're not giving it to everything you need, like all the batteries for the Patriot, is because some of our allies are pressuring us not to? They're afraid of escalation? That's what Joe Biden indicated yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you know, whenever you prosecute a war by committee, um, it, it's going to be an ugly process. And, and I, I, think, I think that's the case. But, you know, just the barbarity and brutality and, and, and the genocidal terrorism that, that is being practiced by the Russians really ends up forcing their hands. And, you know, it's all about American leadership at the end of the day. We'll get this across the goal line uh, with, with American re uh, leadership. And, you know, we, we are so heartened by the bipartisan support. You know, the, the Republicans in the Senate raised the Ukraine package by 20 percent. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's from this perspective, it looks as if Ukraine is about the only thing the two parties can agree on. And, you know, people talk about oversight and things like that, and, and we welcome that. But, you know, the proof is in the pudding, right? We're beating them on the ground. If, if, we, if we weren't doing that, you know, then you could say the, the aid is not being used effectively. But it's being used, as President Zelensky said yesterday, responsibly and effectively because we're winning. And as another general, Ben Hodges, uh, has said in the past, you know, America needs to be in it to win it. And I, I really hope that this visit has been the turning point in uh, in that relationship. I do, in, too. In American and, resolve. And when it's done, you deserve a lot of credit, too, because you're able to talk to as many people as possible about the reality on the ground. Daniel Billack, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. God bless. God bless the people of the United States of America. All right. When we come back, Will Kane will be with us live. one 408 7669 Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. This administration is not enforcing the law, and they're encouraging more and more illegal immigration. This is going to turn a crisis into a catastrophe. We're going to have more crime, and the Biden administration is not going to change. Are they incompetent, or is this intentional? None of the president's positions on this make any sense to me, uh, un unless I view it from the per 
perspective of, well, maybe he wants this to happen. I mean, nobody is this incompetent, right? So that was Senator Langford, Senator Portman outgoing, Senator uh, Rick Scott and Senator Kennedy, uh, three of the four sticking around. And they just can't believe the incompetence. Will Kane is here. Will, no one has to tell you about the border. You just spoke to one of our, uh, it wasn't our reporter, but a reporter on the border in Arizona. This is leading even somebody who, uh, uh, someone who wants to think the best to think this has to be intentional. Jorge Ventura of the Daily Caller this morning on Fox and Friends showed us live footage right there at approximately, what is Arizona, three hours behind right now. So it was approximately three in the morning with four or five hundred people just in line into the darkness of the middle of the night. People from Peru, people from Russia, people from Cuba. Here's what I find fascinating. The problem has been undeniable for a while, Brian. The, the chaos has been undeniable for a while. Why now, for the first time, are we beginning to see the lack of a denial from Democrats? What do you think has changed? You are starting to hear Democrats go, you are starting to see MSNBC and CNN go, wow, we got a problem at the southern border. Why now? What, is, what has changed that they all of a sudden now can recognize reality? Well, the, the easy answer is Title 42. Um, I think it really began to change when we started shipping, uh, busing the illegal immigrants into the major cities and the Martha's Vineyards when, the, when everything hit the fan. But they didn't cover it the right way. They said, how dare these Republicans send them in there? These are people being manipulated. They just started trying to skim the surface on the issue. And I imagine sooner or later we got to look at it. Now there's no election to worry about. So that's why I hope that some of these politicians – would, number one, do what they said they were going to do to get reelected, and the other ones would say, I don't have to worry about being elected. Uh, now I'm not up, and I'm just going to do the right thing. And that's Veronica Escobar said this on MSNBC, Cut 29. I share your, your feeling of frustration and the need for more urgency, and I want to see that, uh, starting with the White House. Should the president be here, do <clears throat> you think? I think absolutely the president should be here, and I think um, everyone should be here. That's a Democrat. So I'm going to tell you a roundabout story that I think for some reason means something to me. I was at a Christmas party here in New York City two weeks ago. I lived in New York City for 15 years. I now live in Texas, my home state. And I was at this Christmas party, and we were talking about – we were just roughly talking about the death of Sports Illustrated's soccer writer, Grant Wall. Uh, Grant died suddenly in the stands at the World Cup. Grant had been a critic of – Forty-four. 44, four, yeah. maybe 47, 40. Oh, I feel okay. like we were roughly the same age. But he uh, had been critical of the Qatari government, their policies on LGBT issues, and he died suddenly. And at that time, including members of Grant Wall's family, they had been very critical and suspicious of his manner of death. That led people out there in the world just to talk about this in a speculative manner. And here I was at this Christmas party, and people were talking about could there be like – you know, a super secret intelligence agency with like a, a lotion you could brush past somebody that subsequently causes them to have a heart attack within half an hour. Like what happened to the North Koreans. Remember the North Korean half brother of Kim Jong Un? So people in this casual environment are totally comfortable speculating irresponsibly on what some could term conspiracy theorist level manners of death. And then I say this uh, never can discount the vaccine. Now, The thing about the vaccine is 
there is scientific data that shows there is such thing as vaccine injury, and specifically there is vaccine injury when it comes to this, de- this, this particular COVID vaccine. The question isn't whether or not that exists. The question is to what extent, how prevalent, what is the risk? And every responsible human being should run a risk-reward calculus. The minute that I mentioned that, oh, well, it was as though that conspiracy was a bridge too far. Right. They were totally willing to accept the potential for the murder of an American journalist through super-secret means until – any question of the vaccine was brought up. Now, why am I bringing up the vaccine? You're talking about immigration. Only certain levels of information reaches your average person. There's just too much. There's just too much going on in life, and that's not a bad thing. You know, they have their own life to take care of. The point I'm getting at is all that's ever broken through to them on the vaccine is it's perfectly safe, and if you dare question it, you're a conspiracy theorist. When it breaks through to them the issue of illegal immigration, their mindset has been, and I would suggest is today – well, that's just – it's a nothing burger story. It's stuff driven by Fox. It's no, there's nothing going on at the southern border that's out of the ordinary. I don't think your average, at least liberal American voter, recognizes this problem. And therefore, it is significant perhaps that Democratic politicians and media outlets are beginning to acknowledge this problem because you can't overstate the extent of the problem. The problem for our welfare state, the problem for our culture, the problem for our national security. Yeah, I just think to how many stories, if you're CNN, do you ignore on a daily basis? And with January 6th trial coming to an end, they're like, uh, we got a lot of dead air. You got that test pattern ready? There is, by the way, a catastrophe on our southern border that's destroying a lot of southern states, including a Democratic-run state called El Paso. We and they've converted this- two schools in a convention center just for the house to homeless. We interrupt this ongoing coverage of Donald Trump to announce that we have just hit a record high number of illegal immigrants that's crossed in the past fiscal year. It's incredible. I mean, I, I'm outraged. Like when I see this as a talking point uh, for Fox and Friends, I know why we're doing it, but it's, it's frustrating the minute it starts. It's the same story. I know. I do feel a little bit different now because it's so bad, and Title 42 is, would be such so horrendous. And by the way, the subtitle to sub, Title 42 is we're not enforcing it. For, for the most part, they say we're only stopping a certain amount of people. We are not going the letter of the law like Trump was on Title 42, which means go back. There was a pandemic unless you're an unaccompanied minor or some extenuating circumstances. So, Brian, I'm like you. When I see illegal immigration show up in the wheel of Fox and Friends, there's a little bit of me that feels like I've done this story hundreds of times. And it's because we have done this story hundreds of times because it goes unaddressed for years. But for me, Brian, it is connected to so many other issues that immediately you have to recognize and say, no, how important is this to do once again? I'll tell you just anecdotally, Brian. Yeah. In the past month, I know a guy that died of fentanyl poisoning. Thought he had bought a Xanax over the internet, which he should not have been doing. He did not overdose on an opioid. He was poisoned by fentanyl, as were 107,000 Americans in this past year, connected to illegal immigration. We know the numbers of people that are on the terror watch list. This should be enough. This should be the end of the story right here. We know the numbers of people on the terror watch list that make their way into the, across the southern border buried in that 2 million. That's a reason to pay attention to this story. And I think – and I think Tucker Carlson does a good job of highlighting this – the massive cultural shift of the United States of America by all of a sudden bringing in millions of people who do not share our language, our background in a haphazard and chaotic manner has long-term ramifications for the future of the United States. 
Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, right now we're uh, we have historic numbers of people crossing, and they not they did not give us the November numbers. Why haven't they given us the November numbers yet? That is absolutely insane. So the number of people coming in, overwhelming communities. Then when you see the shots by Congressman Gonzalez, remember the big thing with Donald Trump? Look at how overcrowded it is, how untenable and how uns- unsavory and in- inhumane those conditions are. So then Gonzalez comes out. It's worse than Trump ever had. A ability, a, a place built for 1,000 has 4,000 people in it. A bunch of people sitting there in makeshift blankets just on the floor. One bathroom for all these people. So where is the outrage there? The media turned its attention to the border off the top of my head on the mainstream media, the mass the mass swath of mainstream media, right. turned its attention to the border on two occasions off the top of my head. One, which you just described, when it was an opportunity to villainize Donald Trump, and two, when it was an opportunity to villainize Border Patrol agents for a quote-unquote, falsely of course, whipping Haitian migrants. Absolutely. That's the two times I can remember that you would have seen this story show up, for example, on CNN. So look at this. Uh, the migrant encounters under Trump versus Biden. For 2020, there was 458,000 encounters. We don't know how many left. For 2022, 2,378,944. You know what they say? One of the reasons is there's, migra- there's uh, migration everywhere. There's a lot of uh, unrest everywhere. So that's what May Orcas is saying, which is totally not true. I mean, you have a situation where a border, they do, we're told, if you, it's now's the time to come in. So listen to this. Martha Raddatz asked this question. She sits at the border talking to Governor Abbott, and she asked this question to Governor Abbott. Open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border, come on over. But people I have heard say it are you, our former President Trump, or Ron DeSantis. That message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. It was known for the time that Joe Biden got elected that Joe Biden supported open borders. Uh, It is known uh, by the cartels who have sophisticated information whether or not the Biden administration is going to enforce the immigration laws or not. It's known across the world, but most importantly, known among the cartels. So... She actually blames the people who are commenting on the accuracy of the chaos at the border. You're saying open borders. How maddening is it? Guess what? I watch all the Sunday shows, and all of them had the same talking points. But the press has the same as the Democrats. What a pathetic excuse for journalism. There is a war going on for your mind. I promise you we are in information warfare. This is an example. So let me get this straight. President Biden hasn't declared this an open border. It doesn't matter his actions. He's never said we have an open border. That's, that's all that matters. Therefore, we don't have an open border, according to Martha Raddatz. Worse yet, not unlike Karine Jean-Pierre, if you point out reality, if you notice someone's actions and point out reality, you're participating in misinformation. That's what Karine Jean-Pierre had to say. And you are in league with the Mexican drug cartels. So if you point out the reality, if I point out the reality that you have created, I'm responsible for the negative repercussions of that reality. That's what she's trying to say. It's in, insanity. How dare – I mean I was offended by that question, and I'm flipping around and go, there it is again. There's another comment. That's <laughs> what you got. So somebody had the – we used to say it's on the facts. Everyone had the same facts, uh, F-A-X. Uh, but now you know, so everyone's like, OK, here are your talking points. And I remember – um, I was doing a Sunday show, Chris Wallace's show, and I never did it before. And I got a call from a member of the White House. 
and say, here are the top three issues you're most likely to be asked. I just want you to be, I just want you to know what we think. You could say whatever you want. I just want you to know our stand on these major issues. They didn't try to tell me what to say. I don't mind. You want to tell me what the White House stands? So will you ask me my opinion when Chris Wallace asked me my opinion on something? All I could say, or Chris Wallace's question is inaccurately describes the White House's policy. I'll say, well, according to the White House, they didn't do it that way, and, and I'll read it. And I'll say the White House. So I, that gives me a perspective on where you're coming from. That's nothing wrong with you have a communications department uh, letting people know what goes on just to get your perspective. But for you to reiterate it and digest it and do the work for them, to me, is laziness. Do you think – is there a fountainhead of this of, – of the talking point? So we all can notice it. You just have to step back for a moment. You say, wow, look at the proliferation of language in a short period of time. Terms you never heard of all of a sudden are everywhere, right? Non-binary goes from non-existent to everywhere you look. In like a year and a half time yeah, frame. Yeah, yeah. But we could do this on any number of issues, on a number of words, and on a number of talking points. Like, for example, I'm going to just give you one. This one I found fascinating. Um, did you notice, like, this, so this is a couple of weeks old. Hunter Biden's laptop story was dismissed as conservatives wanting to see naked pictures of Hunter Biden, right? So if you'll go on to Twitter or wherever, they're going to use more colorful language than I'm using, blank pics of Hunter Biden. It's everywhere. So if you say the FBI censored or Twitter censored Hunter Biden story, you're going to see the talking point of there you are again. You're into your nude pics of Hunter Biden. Where did that come from? I don't know. Obviously, it's look, we, I don't even want to play defense if it's about corruption, yada, yada. I just want to know where's the fountainhead of that talking point. Right. Does that come from the White House that disseminates into the New York Times, Washington Post, and then on Twitter and then to every lefty that leans on Twitter? They all start echoing the same thing. Where does it begin? What's well, the fountain? I will, I will say this. I think it comes from the White House and the communications division there. And I will say, did you notice this? When, I, when it was time for a question and answer, they call on Yahoo News. And when he asked the question, these are the most benign questions possible. And the question he uh, – Joe Biden looked at him, looked down and answered the question. The answer was written on the page. I'm going, what is he reading? I'm like, did you guys just script this? Not only is he reading who to call on. Because, you know, Zelensky just said like this. He's reading who to call on, Yahoo News. He read the answer. I do believe there's a big script going on there. But And Republicans, if you think that there's a script going on, you have not been watching the battle for speakership. Uh, that No one's reading that script because they just look terrible. Uh, Will Kane's here. One more segment. Uh, back in a moment. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy that we handle in the most responsible way. Russia. Russia could stop its aggression, really, if it wanted to. But you can speed up our victory. And that was President Zelensky yesterday. Will Kane here. Will, we've got a few minutes left. First, uh, on your podcast, uh, where, how do we get it? Foxnewspodcast.com, Apple, Spotify, and often in-depth on YouTube. Right, you'll go 45 minutes, right? So you get more into-depth. But in the few minutes we have here... Uh, do you think it was an effective speech? Would you, and we never saw anything quite like that. A guy really in battle, battle uniform comes in. He's gone already. 
uh, addresses it, says, I can't win without you, but I am fighting. I'm, my battle is your battle. I saw someone point this out. In fact, it was the guy that follows you on radio, Jimmy Fallon, pointed out, let's not be too hard on Zelensky showing up in a sweater. It's very possible that his luggage was stolen by a member of the Biden administration. It's hysterical. How great is that? That's it's, so funny. Yeah. It's really good. Right. Um, we can't do this in the limited time that you and I have together. But, for example, in one of the past episodes of the Will Kane podcast, you and I had a conversation. It's one that should be ongoing. Coming from different sides and spectrums of the conflict, the war in Ukraine, and the role of the United States of America. I don't do this gratuitously. I, I truly respect your position, how invested you are in not just I'm talking about emotional investment, but I'm talking about intellectual investment you've given into understanding this issue from start to finish. Right. And I try to be as self-aware as possible. I just told you in the commercial break, I don't want to be a reactionary. I don't want to react. Just because I know the same person flying a trans flag is flying the Ukrainian flag isn't the reason I should find my position. Brian, um, I have had trouble coming to the logical conclusion, and people that I respect like yourself, and you just shared some perspective with me a moment ago, that the, the fate of Western civilization rides on making a stand in Ukraine, that Vladimir Putin has the A, will, and B, ability to roll through Europe should he win in Ukraine. I've had com- trouble coming to that same conclusion, and therefore this existential threat that is the war in Ukraine. So, and then, therefore, what's worthy of an American investment, right? And I also understand the argument made by Dan Crenshaw and others, what could be better? Spend money, don't spend blood. And you tie up one of your global adversaries in a quagmire. I want to know how much money, how length of time, and what potential outcome is worthy of the American investment. I think a conversation you and I should have here or on my podcast features, what is an acceptable outcome? Gotcha. Uh, A lot of people think get Crimea back, uh, make the country whole again, or just push them back. We'll see. Thanks, Will Kane. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, heard around the world, where our mayor yesterday had a big meeting saying we're the safest big city in the country. Not really. Six out of the seven major crimes have gone up this past year. Shootings and homicides are down. That's where the good news ends. But I admire the fact that he's trying to tell us that. Uh, We have a lot to discuss today. I know that Nancy Pelosi probably having her last press conference as speaker. She's going to stay around. And uh, and so will Kevin McCarthy have a press conference. They think Man, he's having trouble getting those last five votes necessary to become the next Speaker of the House. It's embarrassing for Republicans. Uh, before we uh, – we're going to do a simulcast. Uh, actually, we're not. Not this hour. We're gonna, before we get to Ben Dominich uh, and then Dave Rubin at the bottom of the arrow, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I share your your feeling of frustration and the need for more urgency, and I want to see that, uh, starting with the White House. Should the president be here, do you think? I think absolutely the president should be here. Uh, yeah, that's a Democrat. That's why it's significant. That's for Veronica Escobar. All hell is broken loose. The borders are getting worse by the day. Clueless Joe's new plan is revealed. I'll detail it. Another Dem is calling for Joe to get to the border. You just heard it. But more important, crack down on the border right now. 
Number two. This 4,155-page bill, full of Democratic priorities, does nothing to protect the border. Quite to the contrary, it contains language undermining border security. Uh, there you go. Uh, and that is... Mike Lee doing the right thing. The omnibus delayed could very well be busted as Republicans being uh, as Republicans begin to realize this is no way to budget a country's big bucks. And among its holes, it prohibits any border barrier. Number one. And your support is crucial to win on the battlefield. We have artillery. Yes. Thank you. Is it enough? Honestly, not really. President Zelensky comes to town reminding Americans Ukraine is at war and without us, he can't win, saying his fight is our fight. I agree, but we need President Biden to be all in or just forget it. Uh, With us right now is Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor, editor-at-large for The Spectator uh, World and host of the Ben Dominich podcast. Ben, uh, welcome back. What was your what was your take of yesterday's speech and and the joint press conference? Well, look, I think the speech was impressive. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. We. Here in America, we're in a period of such, you know, decline in terms of our leadership class when it comes to the ability to give a speech. <laughs> the guy comes along who can actually deliver one and then do it not in his original language. Uh, it's kind of impressive uh, in its own right. Uh, but I think that, you know, the the fact is that one of the things that is so frustrating about this moment, Brian, and I agree with you that this uh, Ukraine fight is important and that obviously the, the dollars that we're spending there um, are you know, meaningful in terms of not just sending a message to Russia, but sending a message to China as well about the way that America stands <clears throat> out for our interests and for the interests of, of stability. I think that one of the things that is so absent from this conversation is why aren't the Europeans doing more of their fair share in this yep. considering that it's in their neighborhood and i think particularly of the germans in this context they need to be spending more militarily i mean you saw the news you know of course in the last two weeks that japan for the first time is really you know setting its course toward being the you know spending the third most in terms of the, the, their military uh, in the world you know at, after the us and china you know in a message that is obviously about you know chinese encroachment you know, on taiwan and the South China Sea, we need to have more of our allies in the region, you know, standing up. And so when Joe Biden goes out there and says, "Well, NATO's united, the EU is united," it's like, okay, we'll put their money where their mouth is, uh, and and actually, you know, start supporting Ukraine in the way that the U.S. Hey, has. Ben, the questions uh, were terrible. Level of dedication. The questions were terrible. Uh, they, oh, were they, all, they were absolutely awful. 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 I mean, such a disappointment. <laughs> why can't somebody say? Why weren't you given the attackums? Why only one battery? And one thing they yeah. did say, they, they, they asked uh, the Ukrainian press, and it was being nice, but they said only one battery, you know, while all our city's being hit. And he indicated this, which was news to me, that he is, I have to get the coalition together. And basically yeah. they're saying if they feel as though I'm giving them weapons to escalate, they might not be on board. I was taken aback by that. Were you? Well, you know, I was, but this is so typical of him because he, as I said to you before, I think he still talks as if he's a, you know, a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee as opposed to the commander in chief, where he's like, you know, he just lets things slip that have to make his staff cringe all the time. I mean, we saw that the other day when he was talking about the Iran deal. And this is the sort of thing where I think, you know, frankly, he was saying something that he really shouldn't have said. And it's an indication that, you know, perhaps they're not as united as he'd like to present. And so one of the things 
things that is really critical, I think, in this moment is to understand that in order to actually end this conflict, you're going to have to give them these systems that they need. And very clearly, you know, Zelensky was repeatedly saying, you know, well, look, we, we are not asking for you to send Americans over. We can operate these machines. We can do what, what needs to be done. Just give us the tools to do it, which is what we say and claim that we want to hear from uh, countries that we are supporting in, in, in instances like this. We don't want to see American boys and girls, you know, dying on battlefields. We are just saying if, if you will fight for yourself, then we will give you the tools to do it. That's what Zelensky is asking for. And I think that that was the message he was trying to deliver. You know, the other thing, though, <laughs> keep in mind, is just that he's I, – I view this kind of as – uh, as an oddly timed thing, uh, and it, it seemed to be kind of an outgoing thing from Nancy Pelosi to maybe write a script about her exit, you know, uh, and as opposed to being something that necessarily made sense. Uh, and I think that that is one of the reasons why a number of people on Capitol Hill were taken aback uh, and surprised by it, uh, just given uh, you know the timing of it and everything else that's been going on domestically with this omnibus and, and all of the other uh, things that they're trying to cram through in the last minutes before uh, the holidays in ways that are wrecking a lot of my friends' uh, uh, holidays on Capitol Hill for uh, for uh, their sins. Yeah, we have to discuss it. But I, ben, I actually don't know how you feel. I really see the bigger picture in this. So if Ukraine was to fall in a matter of days, Moldova would be next. There would be, ta- there'd be uh, Russian tanks on the border of Germany once again. Then you'll see some infiltration of the Baltic states in their election. Next thing you know, handpick Russian, uh, Russian allies who would be leading like in Belarus. Uh, leading some of these countries, and there'll be a rough reconstitution of the Soviet Union. I think we're saving a generation a war in Europe by stopping the typical cycle of aggressive Russian leaders who want to dominate, uh, and we're stopping them now. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that we you know have to keep in mind is that you know Europe has been in a state of war over and over again, cyclically over over its history, and the ways that we have to you know prevent that, stop that are often expensive, but it's a lot more expensive and costly and damaging in the long term uh, to not engage in these ways. And, you know, one of the things that I think we have to keep in mind is that, you know, deterrence strategy failed in Ukraine for a number of reasons. It failed because the the soft uh, uh, form of deterrence, the soft power deter- uh, deterrence that Joe Biden is a fan of just doesn't work. Hard power sends a message, and that's what we have to do in terms of hardening up targets uh, that we can anticipate you know, around the world. And certainly that was something that did not happen in Ukraine, and if it had happened, might have put Putin off uh, from thinking that he could do this uh, as easily as so many people said that he could at the beginning. Uh, ben Dominich, our guest. Uh, ben, I want you to hear the counterweight to that. Glenn, Green- Glenn Greenwald uh, thinks this is all uh, this is all a ruse. Cut mm-hmm. seventeen. The emotions that Zelensky plays on when he comes in this theatrical way to the U.S. government and that the U.S. government plays on are very real. We like to think our government is doing good things to help people fight off tyranny. These are good emotions that the American government is manipulating. And one of the reasons they can do that so easily is because they control the flow of information and prevent anyone from asking these questions. People got banned from the Internet for the kinds of dissent or debate that the Congress refuses to allow. That's the reason why Americans can get led down the Passed so against their interests. That I I don't see it that way. I respect him. Yeah. I know I know he's a he's a liberal journalist, but he's a journalist. 
Your thoughts? Well, I mean, Glenn, Glenn, uh, Glenn is a man of the left, uh, and as a man of the left, uh, he's someone who is, is actually an honest practitioner, and that's why we respect him. But he also has a very key number of ideological differences with people who believe that it's a good thing that America is the central power in the world. Uh, and, you know, he's someone who doesn't really believe in that. He doesn't think that we ought to be that. And my response to that is like, Frankly, I like it when America runs things, and I don't like it when other people run things, because when we run things, you can't actually have a response. And, you know, I would much rather have a world where America was dominant than one where China was dominant. And I don't think that Glenn particularly cares one way or the other. And the other side of this is just to say, again, thinking long term about what the cascade effect, the domino effect would be, as you just ran through, uh, if we did not have the kind of support for Ukraine in this moment. The whole point is that this is in America's interest in order to prevent a wider war and one that encroaches not just on our allies, but that affects you know all sorts of things around the world. We've seen the effects of, of Ukraine's war in a number of different ways, uh, you know, to global markets and to the flow of, of not just you know uh, food and grain and, and things like that, but other resources around the world. And that's going to be something Thing that we have just in this conflict, it would only become wide, more widespread and would more, be more disruptive and hurt more of our allies, kill more people, see more civilians die. And that's one of the reasons why I think we need to be doing everything that we can to make this conflict end as soon as possible and end with the Ukrainian victory and, frankly, uh, you know, a defeat of the idea that, uh, that has been in Vladimir Putin's mind for, you know, not just you know, recently, but ever since he had to flee, uh, you know, in the wake of the fall of, of the Berlin Wall, you know, back when he was working for the KGB, you know, he, he, he had this East idea German. in his mind. Yes, he uh, he had this. He has had this idea in his mind of reconstituting the old Soviet Union. And, and that's something that he's always been focused on. So it, that's not going to change. That's not going to go away. And we have to send a very strong message that that is not in the cards. And if he tries it, there's going to be immediate right. and severe responses. The omnibus that. bill is going to be queued up today, could pass. It means just everything in a bill, no order, just what everybody wants, earmarks in, earmarks out. Dan, one of the things in there that's so outrageous is no money for the border wall or any structure. It is prohibited. What advantage is it to any american not to have any type of barrier electronic big bollard or anything else it is pure politics or it shows an agenda come one come all here's mike lee cut 20 this 4,155 page bill full of democratic priorities does nothing to protect the border quite to the contrary it contains language undermining border security so i insisted that we have at least one amendment up or down vote on whether to preserve Title 42, because Title 42 is the one thing standing between us and utter chaos. We already have mostly chaos. This would bring us to utter chaos if it expires, which it's about to. So he's standing up. They're going to make him vote on the on the existence, making permanent Title 42, give people an opportunity to kick people out. But this administration just mysteriously wants Border Patrol to be overwhelmed and seems to be happy that 4 million people are coming here illegally. You know, I, I think that one of the things that is happening here is that it's a, this issue more than any other, I think, shows how beholden this White House is to the far left. 
Uh, you know, there used to be a point where Republicans and Democrats uh, could work together uh, and that there were a number of different Democrats who believed in border security. There's a, a small handful of them that remain. Uh, but the far left has really won this argument within the Democratic constituency uh, that basically says anybody can come in for any reason uh, and we should absolutely accept this. And they view that as a moral imperative. And they completely put their head in the sand about the fact that these people are being uh, – they're being used, they're being trafficked, they're being abused, they're being raped, they're coming here in ways that are, are absolutely uh, uh, funding the cartels and making sure that they are able to have a horrible impact on American society through the flow of fentanyl. And that's something that apparently the left just doesn't care about. They don't care about the deaths of American citizens. They don't care about the actual consequences. They just see people coming over and they say, oh, that's great. And, you know, the more the merrier. And that's, of course, completely foolhardy. It's not something that works. It's not something that works long term for any nation. And the fact that the Democrats are completely going along with this and just pretending like this is all A-OK it's infuriating. And just keep in mind, you know, they're going to get more money out of this in terms of billions of dollars of, of grants and that and that, uh, that flow through the various bureaucratic systems. You know, Chuck Schumer the other day talking about how much money they needed in New York to be able to take care of, you know, a thousand new migrants or something like that. It's one of these things where, you know, look, this is this kind of systems that they believe in. They're happy to have people come here illegally and then end up in Medicaid and on all these different welfare programs programs because they want to sustain them and they believe that that's totally fine to just keep spending taxpayer dollars right. uh, and just throwing it at these at these problems as opposed to doing the things that need to be taken uh, the steps that need to be taken along the border that border democrats will themselves tell them to take uh, I'll tell you what, I look forward to talking to you on the podcast about whatever's on your mind. Ben Dominich, uh, go get his podcast, the Ben Dominich podcast, wherever you get them. Ben, thanks so much. Great to be with you. All right. When we come back, your calls, 1-866-408-7669. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Expanding your knowledge base, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Christine's listening to WOKV in beautiful Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Christine. Hey, Brian. Uh, Merry Christmas. Same to you. you. Thank you. I was listening to your comments and everything with regards to the immigrants. You know, having lived in Texas and I live in Florida, go to Santa. When he sent the migrants to to New York and, and to Massachusetts, there was all kinds of complaints. They got 50. Try being, you know, Rick Scott or the Arizona governor or DeSantis. And dealing with thousands of thousands. Now you got Schumer looking for a handout. If you want to be a sanctuary city, like they're saying they are, then you better be prepared to take them and don't ask for a handout because the only people they're worried about, the Canadians, really, they're going to come down. They're not dealing with what the governors are down here in, in our states are. Absolutely. And that's why they don't really know what to say. They want a billion dollars in New York City, but they are supposed to be a. They say they're the safest city. They say they come one, come all, and you get to stay. You're not going to be arrested. Okay, take them then. And when you say, well, I don't, I, you know, I shouldn't have them. Why should, well, why should El Paso have them? You know, why is it fair to El Paso or McCallum? It is not. Here's Javier Palomares. Uh, he's the president of the Hispanic Business Council and a Democrat. Cut 31. 
I'm a Democrat. I voted for Joe Biden, and I'm pleading with him to come down here and illustrate that he cares of the people of South Texas. They're everybody here, male, female, Republican, Democrat, every end of the spectrum here. Everybody agrees on one thing. This is a crisis, and we need attention from Washington. We need action from our leaders. Would you vote for him again? <laughs> we'll see. But I got I to gotta tell you, the Democrats are going to make a Republican out of me. And why would you, why would you do this? There, it's not bad policy. It's no policy unless your policy is, and Republicans are going to need to believe it, and, and I don't really uh, have a strong argument against it, that this is intentional, that he wants to, to change America, that he wants illegals here, that believes that this, uh, this land is everybody's land and you have a right to stay under some weird saying that's on the Statue of Liberty. But when you go through the Statue of Liberty, it's meant for people that go through the process. And when you go, well, in 1830, they did this in 1850. Well, we're in the 21st century. We're a, we're, we're a world gov- We're not a world government. If you just take a look at Australia's immigration laws, Japan's immigration laws, South Korea's immigration laws, uh, Western democracies laws in France, nobody does what we're doing. Just let people in and then pay them. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's starting to look more and more like Skid Row or any other U.S. city that's had a major homeless problem. Uh, when I was here last week, there was around 80 people between uh, two blocks here by the Greyhound bus station. Uh, this week, it's around 150 people spread across about five city blocks now. Uh, there's people to, you can obviously see some people behind me, but there's people in front of me and there's people off to my left here. And that's just simply because uh, there's just been a massive surge in illegal crossings, uh, even despite the fact that Title 42 is still technically in place. It might go away next week. It might be extended yet again. Uh, but for right now, uh, there's clearly still a lot of people uh, trying to get into the country during, during this border crisis. And that is Julio Rosas from Town Hall just noticing what's happening in Arizona, where they've agreed to take out the storage containers, replace it with the fence, but not fill in the gaps. Think about that. Why would you have an omnibus bill worth $1.7 trillion and have a thing in there that says, provision that says, prohibited from building any type of border structure or security? Why would that be there? Why would you not permit somebody to fill in gaps in a fence? Dave Rubin is a deep thinker, host of the Rubin Report, best-selling author. His latest book is Don't Burn the Country, Surviving and Thriving in Our Woke Dystopia. Dave, welcome back. What are your thoughts about my deep question? Well, Brian, you know, I wish I could say I was surprised or I wish I could say, boy, I can make some sense out of this thing or anything that the federal government does at this point makes any degree of sense in a in a sort of pro-America way. But this is consistent with what our federal government does with virtually everything. The way this thing is being rammed through, the ridiculous expenditures, the types of things that you're talking about, we're going to defend other people's borders, other countries' borders halfway across the world, uh, but not defend our own. Uh, Unfortunately, 
this is how D.C. works. And I think that the, the saving grace in all of this, of course, is how our system is set up with federalism. And hopefully Arizona and Texas and some of the other border states will start figuring out ways to defend themselves properly and govern themselves properly. I think you can see a bit of that happening in Arizona. You definitely can see it happening in Texas. But even if you look at Texas just this past week with you know these hundreds of illegal aliens that showed up at the Texas uh, El Paso airport and they're down there sleeping there. Nobody cares. It's only covered by Fox. And it's like, man, if, if uh, Abbott sent them up to Martha's Vineyard, we have a week-long story that everybody's going to freak out about. So I think this is just consistent with how the media operates and, unfortunately, how the, how the federal government operates. So, Dave, is this intentional? Uh, the, yes, the, the sense is yes. nobody could be this incompetent. So they really want 4 million people they don't know in our country? Yes. Uh, you know, this good intentions thing, I, I'm really over it. I think a lot of people think that these people have good intentions and they're just confused or they don't really understand what the issues are or what's going on at the border. Whether that's true or not, I mean, first off, good intentions, the, the highway to hell is paved with good intentions, right? The road to hell. So it, it's irrelevant at this point. But I would say they cannot be this uh, negligent. It, it would be almost impossible. You would just have to go down to the border once, which perhaps is why Joe Biden refuses to go to the border, to see what's going on there. And I think ultimately, you know, it's a somewhat cynical way of looking at things, but I think the Democrats do want more illegals here so they can give them more stuff so they can vote for Democrats. You know, it's, it's not really rocket science. And I don't think anyone could be that inept. I mean, Brian, do you think anyone could be that completely inept? It's almost impossible. See, the whole thing with Donald Trump didn't want a wall and then you're only giving him a billion dollar he needs $10 billion to build a wall or something to that effect to, to finish it. And they give him a 1.8 every year. I remember Paul Ryan saying, you know, just for this year, we're going to get it in the next one. They didn't want to give Donald Trump what he ran on. But now that Trump is gone and they see this influx, and it's to their advantage to have control at the border and maybe to their advantage to allow uh, dreamers to become citizens, I thought, like, you know, they're over that. But the fact is, and you have Chuck Schumer on record saying we've got to build a wall, and you have Harry Reid saying how farcical it is to have this whole chain migration. It makes no sense. And what happened in the last 20 years? Why? Who got to them? What changed? I mean, that's the, the gajillion dollar question. Like, what causes these people to change en masse and sound like the guys that they were opposing 20 years ago and all that stuff? The irony of the Trump situation is that Trump— there's a lot of evidence of this. There's been books written about this. Trump would have negotiated on the wall and virtually every single thing that the Democrats wanted. He was willing to meet with the Democrats at any point. Uh, there's a famous quote. I'm going to I'm going I'm just estimating it roughly here where Schumer basically said we cannot give him a win, meaning that if Trump wants to negotiate on the wall and he's willing to say, OK, X amount of dreamers, Schumer just refused to take the meeting, as did Pelosi, because they knew anything that they gave Trump would be thought of as a win for Trump. So that's unfortunately where the Democrats are at at this point. And now we're seeing the fruits of what happens when we have a Democrat administration, you know, with the presidency. They simply do. They, I, I just don't believe they don't care. Like, it's not that they don't care. It's that this is exactly what they want to happen. So President Zelensky comes to town, uh, dynamic, uh, had a press conference with I was just talking to 
uh, Will Kane about this. Some of the dumbest questions and some of the most benign <laughs> questions possible. It was such a disappointment. Where's that question yeah. of what are our allies doing with the money? What does victory look like? Do you have to take Crimea, Crimea for this to stop? What's the, you, know, you couldn't get any of that. But the one question was, you know, why only one battery of Patriot missiles? If you're going to give a missile defense, give them missile defense. And he said, well, I've got to worry about our allies. Got to keep our coalition together. So the allies want most cities raised? I, I don't get it. Uh, Dave, uh, no doubt about it. Some Republicans are not for this. I don't know where you stand. Trey Gowdy weighed in last night. Cut 10. I think there's a small group of Republicans and others in the conservative uh, movement, if that's the right phraseology, that rest, having a really hard time deciding between a pro-West democracy in Ukraine and a Russian thug who kidnaps Americans uh, and, and, and wants to start a world war. They're, they're just ambivalent as to which side to pick. So you know, I think Zelensky is here to say thank you to the American people. I think he's here to say, look, you don't have to wait until we're about to lose to give us what we need. And oh, by the way, if you want to contrast with Vladimir Putin, here I am. So what's your take? Uh, are you the Matt Gates sitting on your hands? I don't know what to make of that by Trey Gowdy. I mean, I completely disagree. You know, Zelensky came in last night as if he was in charge of the United States and our money demanding things, demanding more weapons, demanding more money. We're going to give him everything he wants. But, you know, the unfortunate part here is we've had guys like Mike Lee and Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and a couple others who have been asking for receipts. What, where is all this money going? What are we doing? Why are we not spending this money here? We're not getting any receipts on any of this stuff. We're about to give the guy a whole bunch more money. And, Brian, you know, at the end of the day, we can give him all the Patriot missiles known to man. We can, you know, arm him to the teeth. And, you know, Vladimir Putin has nukes. So the idea that, okay, if we just arm this guy and we endlessly arm this guy and Russians take some losses and even if they go into a tactical retreat that that somehow gives us a win you know it's it's a tough compromise to get a win with a guy with nukes so unless we're given Zelensky nukes and I'm pretty sure we're not there yet uh this this seems very very short-sighted to me right yeah I feel differently and I will say this he had nukes and Ukraine said if we give up the nukes the UK and US will watch their security. And guess what? They got invaded and we gave them MREs and blankets uh, for 10 years. They took Crimea and then they just decide well, we might as well just take the whole country. I saw the way these guys acted. They're probably not going to do anything. And, and NATO's so divided after all, they weren't even informed that we were pulling out of uh, Afghanistan. We just pulled out and left them there. And then they had to scramble to get their people out. I will say this. Uh, I was able to acquire this information uh, that we have been we have been doing an accounting. Uh, the GAO has been tracking the military humanitarian aid. This is according to somebody there. No one is fighting even uh, having more. Uh, no one's fighting about more oversight. Uh, they say that they are looking at all the equipment early on. It was not reaching their intended units. There was concern, but it was a distribution problem, not corruption. They say the stuff is getting to the front lines. The guys are fighting very strong. I'm under the belief, Dave, that they they are going to go from Moldova. They're going to go infiltrate into the Baltics, and they were just going to keep on going, and they're going to have tanks in Germany. And this is going to be a replay of what Russia always does unless they're unless they're confronted. And this little thug, who's a mini Stalin, finally gets exposed as the hollow giant that he is. And his military sucks, has not been modernized, they don't want to fight, and they don't know how to fight. And a nuclear weapon would have him, the whole country wiped out in a matter of seconds because they're surrounded by nuclear powers. 
Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm actually in in terms of where my heart is. I'm I'm with you on that. That I I that's what I would like to happen. I believe that nations have sovereign borders. And by the way, if you want to pin some blame on a lot of this, you sort of referenced it. But you know, whatever it was, ten years ago or so, when Russia yeah. went in on Crimea. Obama did nothing. So we had already violated what our agreement was when they gave up the nukes years ago. Uh, But at the end of the day, we can keep ramping up a war. We've done this many times in all parts of the world. You can always ramp up a war. The question is, if Putin has his back against the wall and feels like he's about to lose this thing. And by the way, he knows if he loses this thing, he loses the country and he ends up dead. I mean, that really is how this thing goes with a despotic leader like him. So I just think we have to be wary of what really the end game is, as opposed to always talking about ramping it up. That's not to, to, uh, you know, put any uh, kindness towards Putin or denigrate what the Ukrainians are going through. But I just think we have to really think this thing through clearly when the guy has, you know, the ultimate weapon. Yeah, the other thing would be missile defense is defense. You're not, you know, uh, there's attackums that could reach Russia, and we're so concerned about the Ukrainians getting angry and starting blowing up Russian cities, we don't give it to them. I actually think that's a mistake. you got to be able to trust these people who are supposed to be your ally. But having missile defense is missile defense. If knocking Russian missiles out of the sky is provocative, guilty. Yeah, they aim at hospitals and schools. Uh, and the Ukrainians say, I want to fight your troops. And if anyone dies that's a civilian that I have not heard of, it's a mistake. So Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. There's there's an absolute stark difference between, you know, weapons that are to go in and, and take over territory and weapons that are to right. defend your citizens. Uh, and again, I just think we have to have a real assessment, an honest discussion in the United States. With all of the problems that we have here and inflation and everything else, you know, in essence, by the time this bill goes through, we'll have given, uh, you know, Zelensky basically $100 billion. Now, the question is, all right, could they have done it with 80 and maybe we could have spent some of that back home or or 70 and 30 or whatever it might be? I I just think the, the average American is looking at this and listening to Mitch McConnell, I think it was yesterday or the day before, saying that the number one priority on Republicans' minds is the war in Ukraine. And, you know, I'd like to think that I have a pretty good handle on what, you know, most Americans are thinking. I don't think it's in the top 10 or 20 for most people, quite honestly. So I want to bring you to this. The FBI blasts back a conspiracy theorist behind the Twitter files. They claim there's nothing to see in these communications. So they respond to go like this. The FBI is responding to Twitter files revealing that the agency regularly contacted employees at social media giants to notify them of accounts that may or may not constitute violations of the terms of service. They told the Fed, told Fox News that the agency didn't ask Twitter employees to take action based on information provided. And so the information was provided so that Twitter employees can make the determination on their own. The problem with this, and you have a ton of problems with this, is that those right-wing activists at uh, Twitter, uh, excuse me, I mean left-wing activists, feel totally <laughs> differently. They're under oath. Yoel Roth, that right-wing yep. conservative claimed in a sworn declaration to the FEC in December 2020 that he felt compelled to censor the Hunter Biden laptop and label it coming in from hacked materials based on information FBI agents had given them at weekly meetings. Elvis Chan, a supervisor agent for the Bureau, insisted in deposition November that none of his agents specifically mentioned the Hunter Biden laptop. But guess what? Yoel Roth says, no, they mentioned it. So... They're trying to cover their tracks, and the people on their side are not covering their tracks. 
Of course, and they're also playing a lot of linguistic games like, yeah, sure, we didn't specifically say take this down, but we did call them and talk about these things. You know, I would recommend anyone watch Goodfellas or The Godfather or yeah. The Sopranos or any mafia movie ever. You don't automatically, as a first strike, walk in and burn down the building or kill the guy. You walk in and you give him a subtle warning. Boy, it would be a shame if, uh, you know, your wife didn't come home tonight or something to that effect. And that, in essence, is what the FBI did here. We're going to contact you. We're going to tell you what we're looking at. And boy, it would be nice if that stuff disappears. And then lo and behold, it disappears. So their, their dismissal of this thing, you know, to call us all conspiracy theorists or misinformation experts, whatever it is that they said, uh, is really dismissive. All they had to say was, boy, you know, this stuff has come to light and it is something that we've been doing and here's why we've been doing it. And we, and we appreciate the concerns around free speech and the First Amendment. But instead, they do exactly what the media does with all of us, which is to constantly gaslight us. You see that the government has some sort of collusion with big tech, and they tell you that you're the crazy person. And right, the two crazy people, this guy Elvis Chan is a real piece of work. They're going to continue. Yep. They're going to stay on course for the 2024 election. So they're doubling down. Uh, Dave Rubin, that's why your podcast is uh, The Rubin Report is so valuable. Uh, and that's why you're a best-selling author. Uh, uh, Dave Rubin, thanks so much. Brian, have a Merry Christmas. I'll talk to you in the New Year. You too, absolutely, on TV and radio. When we come back, I'll take your call. Man, every line is jammed. one 408 It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, I got a few minutes here. I want to get to as many calls as possible. Hank, you'll see on WNIS in Virginia Beach. Hank. Hey, Brian. How are you doing? Happy holidays. Same to you. You talk about Ukraine, too, giving up the nukes in the 90s, right? Yeah, but it goes back further than that. You know, when Roosevelt was there, they had to, everybody, when you hear the Holocaust, you think of the poor people in Poland and Germany. Yeah. It was awful. But there was a Holocaust in Ukraine, and Roosevelt did nothing. But I'm, I'm moving forward to when... Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, when when uh, the Budapest Memorandum. So when Bill Clinton went over there and the premier of Russia and you had the prime minister of England, you know all about it. We talked about this last year. What they do, they guarantee their sovereignty. They took the weapons. And what happened? Uh, got they, got in, they lost Crimea and then they lost yeah, their they country. Lost Crimea. So in 2012, Obama went over there and there was a hot mic. And he said, uh, tell Vladimir, I'll have more flexibility after the election. One year later, they rolled into Crimea. We did nothing. And then now present day, Biden, what does he say? Oh, it all depends if it's a minor incursion or a full-blown invasion. That's like getting a little pregnant. Something ain't right because the poor Ukrainian people, they're very strong, but they just can't take much more of this. Thank you. So right. That's why you're in the, the highest concentrated military community around you guys are so uh, learned. And it goes back generations in your family. John, WNIS in Virginia. Hey, John. Hey, Brian. What's concerning to me is recently the allegations where money was given to Ukraine. That money found its way back to Sam Bankman-Fried. Sam Bankman-Fried really messed up and got caught. And now we're learning that that money, some of that money, quite possibly went back to the leaders in both parties. It's, it's not just a Democrat or Republican thing. Leaders in both parties received money. 
And what I'm afraid of is uh, there's not really going to be any real investigation because the people who benefited from this money will not want to be known to have benefited from it. It looks. Uh, I would say, Tony, no, there's there's no winners. Uh, there's just losers in this event. We're losing money. And the credibility of Russia, they look like thugs and terrorists, and they are. The reputation of Ukraine as fighters is growing. Uh, but for the most part, no one's going to gain uh, from weaponry, selling weaponry, Patriot missiles, whoever makes them. This is just to get a belligerent power that has designs on the rest of Europe in check to save a generation from another world war. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I guess in about 18 minutes, I'll be on with Harris Faulkner, and we'll do a simulcast on FBN. You know, you can always watch us on the stream on Fox Nation. Another reason to get that great app. Uh, and pick up the President of Freedom Fighter, by the way. He remains on the bestseller list for eight weeks and running. Paperback. Brand new information, especially if you're running to the store today. A lot of these places, I've autographed them ahead of time. And if you need one autographed in, in the holidays, doesn't matter, BrianKillMe.com. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. But we come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, where yesterday we found out in our city it's the safest big city of the country. Really? Have you been there? Well, that's what the mayor hopes, because he says homicides are down and shootings are down. But six of the top seven crimes, it's all up. This hour, I'm going to be joined by Carl Zabo. He's the vice president and general counsel for NetChoice, the professor of internet law at George Mason, uh, the Antonin Scalia uh, Law School. So uh, George Mason, great school, by the way. And he wants to push back on what the FBI is pushing back on, saying what they did on Twitter was totally up to standard and typical. I hope not. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I share your your feeling of frustration and the need for more urgency, and I want to see that, uh, starting with the White House. Should the president be here, do you think? I think absolutely the president should be here. Wow, a Democrat on MSNBC criticizing the president. All hell is broken loose. The borders are getting worse by the day. Clueless Joe's new plan is revealed. I'll detail it, as another Dem is calling for Joe to get to the border. But more important, crack down on the border. Number two. This 4,155-page bill, full of Democratic priorities, does nothing to protect the border. Quite to the contrary, it contains language undermining border security. <laughs> Mike Lee going about the good fight. Omnibus delayed and could very well be busted as Republicans begin to realize this is no way to budget a country's big bucks. And among its holes, it prohibits any border barrier. Number one. And your support is crucial to win on the battlefield. We have artillery. Yes. Thank you. Is it enough? Honestly, not really. Zelensky comes to town reminding Americans Ukraine is at war and without us, he cannot win, saying his fight is our fight. I agree, but we need Biden to go all in or or stay out. For example, we're 300 days into this war, and I believe we thoroughly are stopping what's going to be a sudden Russian intervention into all the Baltic states and most of Eastern Europe. We'll have, we would have tanks on the cusp on the border of Germany again. So you got to stop them here, and the Ukrainians fight like warriors, and it's great. But 300 days later, now we're giving a missile defense, and now it's going to take weeks to get. It's going to be in the spring or late winter. And if the president would just commit 
to letting the Ukrainians win by giving the high Mars early before the war. Now he's giving it to them. Now there's the attack them to go further distance. That would be necessary. And now they say they have this conversion to take all dumb bombs and make them smart bombs. What were you waiting for? But I'm pleased we're fighting. I know many of you are not. And that's what we'll discuss. It. Zelensky was brilliant yesterday. I'd love this speech. The guy can speak. This is probably his third language, and he was great. Totally understandable. He knew how to emphasize what he was reading. And number two is he wove in American history. And it wasn't memorized history. And, you know, if someone gave me the history of Bosnia, the history of Finland, I'd, I'd, have to be, I'd be stuck on the script. But he knows what the Battle of Saratoga means. He knows what America did in rolling in World War I and the Battle of the Bulge in World War II. And he basically said what Saratoga was significant, when we, when we showed the world and the French that we could beat the British, the finest fighting force in the world, straight up in a battle, the French said, this is not a lost cause. We're in. And without the French, we don't win. That's why he put it into the speech. Here's a little of it. Cut six. We have no fear, nor should anyone in the world have it. Ukraine's gained this victory, and it gives us courage, which inspires the entire world. Americans gained this victory, and that's why you have succeeded in uniting the global community to protect freedom and international law. The other big story is uh, the omnibus bill, which it has Ukrainian aid in it. It has everything in it. Uh, it does not address anything to do with inflation. It raised defenses by 10 percent, just quite just a little bit over inflation. Uh, the Dems don't have, you know, child care subsidies. They also don't allow, as I mentioned in the open, they don't allow any of money, the one point seven trillion to go to building any type of border wall. If that doesn't show you that they want open borders, I don't know what does. What they do is want to have more soft sided facilities, more aid to illegals come here. Uh, to change the country? I don't know. Uh, they want to win an election, want to bid Texas. Everyone in Texas cannot stand this administration's policies on the border. You are losing votes. Ask Beto O'Rourke how that goes. Listen to Brian Kilmeade Show. We come back. I do a simulcast with Harris Faulkner, and then I get to all the calls. Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back. I'll be on uh, FBN in a matter of moments, but I want to take a quick call if I can. Alex, listen to WAB. Excuse me. Yeah, Alex, listen in New York at WABC in Brooklyn. Hey, Alex. Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking the call. Um, so about this Ukraine thing, us giving them money, I think that it's not an investment. Because Russia is not going to go after any other countries after he has this war with – even if he wins this war with Ukraine. Because he learned this lesson. It's not that simple to take over a country, invade it, and just take it. And we reacted by giving all this past money. And even before he went into Ukraine, he was circling the border over there. And he was testing us to see if we were going to react. And if we would have put sanctions in him immediately, he would have withdrawn and said he was just practicing. But here's the other thing. If he is going to go after another country if he wins this war, right, if he would do that – then I would think that his the neighboring countries of Ukraine would be giving Ukraine all the money in the world so that they should win this war. And, it, and maybe they're not giving Ukraine all that money because we're, give, we're funding the war. So if we would stop giving Ukraine money, mm. then maybe all these neighboring countries would give that money to Ukraine. 
um, if you believe that he would go after all those countries if he wins Ukraine. Here's where we agree. Uh, I believe that they could be giving more. Whatever they're giving, they got to be giving more. We're giving three quarters of it all coming from us. I believe the pledges that they've already committed have to be fulfilled. And I believe the president of the United States will be bringing it up. Well, very disappointed in Germany. You don't have to call them out. Very disappointed in Germany. They plan, promised three dozen tanks. They haven't delivered any. I'm very disappointed in France. They provide. They were going to provide more information and more intelligence. They have not been able to do any of that. Whatever it is, whether it's just pure economic aid, which obviously these people need because they're in the cold. A lot of them don't have running water. A lot of them don't have food. So you can get basic aid there and don't have to be a superpower to help. So I like that. And I'm, you know, I had no problem when Trump was calling out our allies. You could be friends with somebody you expect more from people you're allied with. So I would like that. I, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with accountability, no problem with the inspector general. But I don't know why I need $600 million to make sure they're not wasting my millions of dollars. $600 million on oversight. What? What, what kind of salary is that? Would you give $595 million for somebody to look over your shoulder? So let's listen in. We'll sum a class together on FBN. Here's Harris Faulkner conspiracy theorists, the Bureau insisting that its actions were nothing out of the ordinary and that they reimbursed Twitter for standard legal requests. Critics say the reported three and a half million dollars spent was used to suppress information, including the New York Post reporting on Hunter Biden's laptop. The FBI says it did not provide Twitter, quote, any specific instruction or details regarding the Hunter Biden laptop story. Now, some quick to the point, uh, uh, it's a little wiggle room here in that statement. It was not a blanket denial of conversations with Twitter about Hunter. The FBI says, quote, it is unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. Kellyanne Conway says Americans should be worried. To have our chief law enforcement officers up to 80 FBI agents in one report, uh, routinely saying to Twitter, you have to look at this tweet, you have to look at that person's postings. Um, while we're in an election season, this is frightening to me as an American citizen to think that this is going on under the guise of some official operation. They're sitting on the scales of a free speech. They're sitting on the scales of justice. As promised, we have Brian Kilmeade, co-host of Fox and & Friends and host of One Nation with Brian Kilmeade, with us from his radio studio. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining me. Merry Christmas. I'm excited to get a, a chance to chat with you about this. You work all day long, morning, noon, almost noon, night. Right, and now we're, we're sharing networks, sharing audiences. Molly, always great to see you. Great to see you in New York. I was, I was waiting for the FBI pushback, but I thought it would be more professional. I thought it would be like one would think, you know, and somewhat limited but it's, a, it's an aggressive pushback and naming people that have a problem with their action as conspiracy theorists. That sounds like something I would see on MSNBC or on CNN with every single host. What are what they is, so is worried about? Is it gaslighting? Yeah, I, I think that's what – well, that's what I was shocked at. I thought it was going to be an ex-FBI agent blasted back, but I didn't know it was the actual FBI. But let me just say, from what you just said on the intro, uh, this is how it's counteracted. Not only – did I think the FBI was over his skis? Was I stunned that they were doing this? Matt Taibbi feels the same way, who was able to disseminate and publish all this stuff. Michael Schellenberger the same way. And also the other guy named uh, Yoel Roth, who they're talking about. 
Was he the one who said if he didn't feel as though the FBI was breathing down his neck, telling him what to do and getting his uh, antenna up for would be Hunter Biden? What, listen to what he said under oath. They learned in the meetings that there were rumors of a hack and leak operation that would involve Hunter Biden. Excuse me. That is Yoel Roth, the vice president of Twitter. And meanwhile, they're saying the FBI is saying we're gaslighting with the conspiracy theorists by listening to a liberal executive at Twitter who was being directly interacting with the FBI. So they said that he was directly he understood that this Hunter Biden thing was coming down the line. And Elvis Chan is somebody who feels he's been uh, um, unjustly called out. But Elvis Chan, I have news for you. Roth says that you guys brought up the Hunter Biden laptop. So when it came out, they were ready for something that looked exactly like you were wargaming with them in the tabletop exercises at the Aspen Institute with the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, and all these other outlets. And I'll bring something else into play. Uh, not only is the Hunter, lab, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop a player in Twitter, Mark Zuckerberg told the same thing to Joe Rogan. We were told by the FBI that something exactly like yeah. this was coming down the line. So don't get, if the FBI is mad at us, it's because it's been exposed. Yeah, That's these, it. these are fair questions about free speech on, you know, these platforms that, that Americans are participating in. And you certainly, you know, don't need to act like people are nuts because they're asking the questions. You know, something else I want to talk to you about. Former MSNBC anchor uh, Keith Olbermann had this advice that he brought up uh, for House Democrats, urging them to fight back against Republicans when they officially take back the House in January. And he means fight. Take a listen. I wish the Democrats would play that game to 10% of the levels that the Republicans do until the Democrats stop rolling over for this and saying, well, we're not going to dirty our hands. When they go high, we go low. So when they go low, we get baseball bats. That should be the next, you know, big, let's get Obama out there saying when they go low, we get baseball bats. I think that would solve this completely. I don't know how devoted his uh, following is, uh, but I'm hoping that no one actually goes out and grabs baseball bats. Maxine Waters will be proud. Um, go after them wherever they go in their stores, wherever they follow, follow them. And guess what? That was happening with Sarah Huckabee Sanders and all the other, uh, you know, all the other players during the Trump era, wherever they want. So what is going to be happening now is people are going to come out of the woodwork and feel as though they got to go and try to marginalize, uh, try to marginalize the Republican majority in the House. They're going to be big players once they pick Kevin McCarthy as speaker. And I hope indeed they do. But, Molly, I just got to warn you about uh, pretending that Keith Oberman's relevant. The only thing consistent with Keith Oberman is the word former, because everywhere he gets hired, he gets fired. So he's former ESPN, former MSNBC, and he leaves angry, and he sits in his apartment, and he tweets things that are totally inappropriate. So I just warn you against making Keith Oberman relevant. But I do think that if the, the five people that follow him, that if they're going to grab bats, he should be personally responsible. And why watch Oberman when you can watch Brian Kilmeade now, later today, into the evening? Thank you so much, Brian. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. Thank Go get you. him, Molly. Thanks so yes. much for having me. Appreciate it. As we okay. share audiences, is great. Uh, so Outrage radio and TV uh, merged together. Hey, Bruce, you're listening on WSB uh, in New York. Hey, Bruce. Thank you very much for taking my call. If you want to have a border wall started in, in a week and the remain in, policy, remain in Mexico policy to be reinforced and started up in a week, you can do this. Yep. It's very easy. Yep. When the Republican Congress takes over, they just say this. You have to do these things 
or we don't give another dollar for Ukraine. I guarantee you it'll work. 100%. Yeah, I mean, we know Democrats did a lot of that with Iraq and George W. Bush. But this isn't a favor. This isn't a policy. This isn't a program. This is a necessity to control our border. And just to build on your point, Bruce, remember, it was a few months ago, a couple of months ago, when the Biden administration started for Venezuelans remain in Mexico, and the number of Venezuelans came through, dropped by 90%. So they can do it. Uh, and that, the thing is, they're not trying. I, I find it hard for, I can't make an argument they're not doing this on purpose anymore. Joe, listening on Long Island. Hey, Joe. Brian, good morning. I apologize. You got hit mute yesterday. I got cut off. But uh, listen, I watched your speech, and I love you. I love your dimples. I, I, you're adorable. But Zelensky is no Churchill. This is, I thought it was a bit pathetic. Uh, uh, we got to stop beating the drums of war, Brian. We're crippling our economy, $100 billion. We're $32 billion in debt. Have a, how about a sit-down? Diplomacy. It's atrocities that happen. You think Vladimir Putin? You think Vladimir Putin wants diplomacy? Vladimir, before he invaded, Zelensky asked to sit down with a one-on-one. You can't. Do you see? We have sat down with Stalin and Hitler and really worked it out. How did that work out? Actually, they turned on each other. By the way, on the end, there's nothing different between Vladimir Putin and Stalin, except for Stalin had more weapons and a bigger army and would kill more people. And believe me, Vladimir Putin would kill more people. You have one country trying to take over another country, and you're blaming the country that was invaded. How? What do you mean diplomacy? They would sit down in a second. You get out of Ukraine, then they'll sit there and talk. But you can't invade another country and say, now let's start negotiating. I don't know. How about the children that Vladimir Putin stole from Ukraine and moved to Russia? Kidnapping kids, blowing up hospitals. Yeah, let's sit down and talk to Vladimir Putin. I'm sure he's got a great point of view. Oh, historically, he says some czar made it official that Ukraine should be part of Russia. Well, I have news for you. In 2022, Ukraine is Ukraine. And the major difference between the two countries, Ukraine can fight and the Russians can't. They fight like it's 1932. Uh, They have put your military in front, have people unwilling to fight in the back. Put a third line behind the people unwilling to fight. So if they turn and run, you shoot them first. That's called the Wagner Group. So the only thing the Russians can do is haphazardly bomb cities and kill innocent people who want to go to the supermarket or actually want to go to the gym or go to school. And now you say we should negotiate and that we should make things worse and that we have $32 trillion in debt. One thing has nothing to do with the other. This investment in wiping out our enemy, using other people to fight for their freedom, is in America's interest. I understand people have a counterpoint of view. I respect it. But I just understand, just understand you're wrong. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
I don't know where they're all coming from. I mean, it's been pretty weird. I've gotten threats, and you know, there's there's been harassment and all that stuff. But that comes with the territory. I'm not going to complain about it. But certainly, the the press backlash has has been all of the same type. I mean, it's been remarkable to see how they're all using the same language and everything. It's it's almost like they got a memo from somewhere, which is incredible. I don't know how they don't they think this isn't a story to, to see screenshots of you know where it says the fbi has asked you to, to look at this and this and this um that's not a story i i, I don't know any journalist who would look at that and not think that a real journalist who would look at that and not think well that's cool that's interesting we we gotta we gotta learn more about that so matt taibbi uh talking on a podcast to uh talking on a podcast basically they can't understand why other people say this is not a big story. Twitter files a whole lot of nothing. Are you kidding? How could you mean a whole lot of nothing? You have interaction with the FBI and a major media company also tipped off from another podcast that they were doing the same thing with uh, with Facebook leading up to an election and the FBI only sanctioning one school of thought and that's cons- conservative school of thought under the auspices perhaps of foreign intervention in a would-be election. So the FBI is pushing back uh, on the Twitter files, and they are saying this. The FBI is responding to Twitter files revealing that the agency regularly contacted employees at the social media giant to notify them of accounts they may constitute violations of the company terms of service. The FBI told Fox that the agency didn't ask Twitter employees to take action based on information provided and said the information provided so that Twitter employees can make a determination on whether to take action on their own. And they plan on doing the same thing in 2024. Carl Zabo is with us now, Vice President, General Counsel for NetChoice and Professor of Internet Law at the George Mason Antonin Scalia Law School. Carl, welcome. Thanks for having me. So you hear the pushback, you read the pushback from the FBI on the Twitter files over the last two or three weeks. Who's right here? Uh, Certainly it's not our news media. Uh, that's like going out and saying the Watergate tapes aren't a big deal. That's like going out and saying the Pentagon Papers aren't a big deal. Uh, I can't remember a time when reporters attacked other reporters rather than reporting on the story. And that, that was exactly what Matt Taibbi was getting to. This is a big, big deal that no one is paying attention to. Now, the FBI's response is even more concerning. Their statement is, oh, we regularly police social media and identify potential violations of terms of service for social media platforms. That's not your job. The job of a business is to enforce their own rules. It is not the role of the government, especially when it comes to speech, to enforce a business's rules for them. And keep in mind, this is the same government that just a couple months ago suggested the creation of the Disinformation Governance Board led by Mary Poppins. There has been reports from The Intercept that the Department of Homeland Security has basically recreated it just a bit less publicly. And the fact that the FBI was directly engaged in telling Twitter, Facebook, and many other social media platforms what type of content is or is not appropriate is something that should scare all of us. So so the FBI went on to say, the correspondence between the FBI and Twitter show nothing more than examples of traditional, longstanding, and ongoing federal government and the private sector engagements, which involve numerous companies over multiple sectors and industry. The FBI provides critical information to the private sector in an effort to allow them to protect themselves and their customers. The men and women of the FBI work every day to protect the American public. It's unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. 
I, I am offended by those statements. These are exp- these are huge. This is a huge story. This is way. This is eighty. They said these are eighty agents. Eighty uh, uh, eighty agents working with just Twitter alone. Here's uh here's what Matt Taibbi said about what his overall impression is, and he's still reading this, by the way. You can kind of maybe justify there being some kind of involvement in suppressing this or that. I, I guess there's an argument for that, but they're doing it at a level that's so micro and so ridiculously thorough that it can't possibly be anything but a, a dystopian project. I mean, they, they want to absolutely control control or at least have some impact on basically every communication that happens on their platform which seems crazy to me i don't know about you but that seems that seems more in the realm of orwell to me carl matt taibbi is not some right-wing conservative who fills in for sean hannity i mean he just isn't i mean come this is his conclusion yeah and and it's not just him it's barry weiss remember Barry was uh, at the New York Times, not exactly a right-leaning uh, organization. I mean, look, if the FBI were engaging on things like child predation or uh, like legitimate foreign terrorist threats, then be transparent about that. Tell us everything that you had a communication with the social media companies and what it was about. But the excuse of, oh, we do this all the time and we do this with many businesses – is actually a more terrifying defense than it is as an explanation. So if the FBI was doing good work, and there are a lot of good FBI agents who are unfortunately sullied by this, they should be out there touting their good work, not trying to hide it from public view and only letting us see it when it's being made available through things like these Twitter files. So just just so you know, the FBI, uh, Twitter doesn't feel that the FBI was acting in a fashion that was fair and honest. If you look at this guy, Yoel Roth, under oath, he, they said that they never mentioned Hunter Biden's laptop. Well, under oath, Roth says he learned uh, in these meetings that there were rumors that a hack and leak operation would involve Hunter Biden. That's what he said under oath. He added a Twitter tried to defend itself against a complaint by the Tea Party Patriots Foundation that its censorship was an in-kind campaign contribution to candidate Joe Biden. So he had to go under oath to say it wasn't. Elvis Chan then explained that that because he does not actually remember discussing the Hunter Biden laptop, then we didn't discuss it. So this would have been something that he would have just thought of as a hot-button issue on his own. That's our conclusion. Remember, they brought everyone to the Aspen Institute, Washington Post, New York Times, Twitter, Facebook, and Google, uh, Apple, and they said, we will just go through some tabletop would-be scenarios so you're ready come election time, come the fall. But knowing that they had the laptop in their possession in December of 2019, that makes you think that they knew exactly what was coming. And the fact that they were they were following Rudy Giuliani for something else, they knew Giuliani got the hard drive and was passing it over to the New York Post. So why wouldn't one conclude these things? It, it's hard not to. And this is the type of thing that keeps me up at night. This is what my company, NetChoice, has been fighting against for tw- over 20 years. This is government intrusion into the free market. And what I like to do as an exercise is let's flip it on its head. Yep. What if this were President Trump's FBI and his administration going after a liberal uh, organization? Would the Washington Post, would the New York Times be coming out and saying, oh, there's nothing to see here? No, they would be flipping a table. Unfortunately, the roles are reversed, and the only ones talking about it are people like you 
Fox News and uh, Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss. And this is a sensational story that demands responses. And fortunately, we are going to see something come uh, January when Republicans take the gavel in the House. Yep. And we are going to see investigations and the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security hauled before Congress and held to account for their actions. Carl Sabo with us. He's VP and General Counsel for NetChoice, Professor of Internet Law at George Mason. Uh, Carl, I, I want to bring you to uh, maybe a broader topic, and that is, uh, by the way, they're going to continue in 2024. That's how defiant the FBI is. Uh, if I, if you were going to be one of the people that would consult one of the lawmakers before they asked a question, instead of asking generally, do they do this or do they do that, now they could say, I'm going to give you an interaction that Twitter uh, had with uh, Twitter executives and the FBI. He asked a Facebook executive, did you have any interaction similar to this? And can you tell me what it was about? Instead of hypotheticals, because Discovery hasn't revealed this interaction, thanks to Elon Musk walking in there and saying, come look through the drawers, we now have a pathway to asking the questions that could get something done. Don't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I'm also looking forward to is there's legislation in Congress today that will also help address this problem. Representatives Jordan, McMorris, Rogers, and Comer have legislation ready to go that would basically make it a uh, make it illegal for a government employee to engage in this type of jawboning. But it's not a penalty against the agency. It's not a penalty or a black mark against the government. It is actually going to be, uh, hold the government employees themselves responsible and resulting in loss of salary, loss of pension. Because at the end of the day, as much as these rogue, woke government employees care about politics, they care a hell of a lot more about their pensions. And so this type of legislation, these types of hearings are going to expose what's going on. And it's something that should scare all Americans, regardless of political ideology, because this is a government trying to seize the avenues of speech. And it's something we cannot allow. So, Carl, I'm going to give you a scenario. uh, And it probably happens. So China knows what divides America. Let's say race. Uh, Let's say the woke, this woke philosophy that gets people incensed when you find out women, but you want transsexuals to be able to play in women's sports. Well, America's divided on that. You want black and white and history and reparations? America's divided on that. So they take the hot-button issues that were debated on Thanksgiving as well as on shows like this. And China, Iran, uh, Russia, they try to get into the dialogue and the Facebook and uh, letters to the editor and everything like that. So how do you stop that to make sure that our arguments are not being burnished by a foreign nation who wants to see us divided? What is an effective way to oversee private companies like these social media companies that play such a role in news gathering? You know, the the real question is not how does the government oversee what the private companies are doing? The better question is how can we better help the private companies defend themselves? So a couple of things to do. One is many of these businesses, especially after 2015, 2016, 2017, have engaged and spent billions and billions of dollars to identify and prevent the exact type of foreign interference that you are uh, mentioning right now. They've locked down advertising. They've locked down uh, who can actually contribute and what type of content is seen based not on the substance of the content, but from where that content is coming. Now, if the government does identify legitimate government actors, rather than saying, hey, go get this guy, 
I would like to see the government to actually take it upon itself to go and actually get the bad actors and shut them down, which is something we haven't seen much out of this administration when it comes to going and taking down foreign actors, especially when they're located in regimes like Russia or Iran, where this administration is definitely taking a soft glove approach. So there's a lot to be done, but it doesn't have to step up to the level of coercion that we have seen from this government. And that's what I yeah. look forward to learning more about and shutting down. Yeah, I don't want the FBI. If the FBI was going for conservative causes, we'd be still doing this talking about it. It'd be outrageous. I'm like, really? You're going to bat for uh, what Matt Gaetz wants or what Donald Trump wants? You don't need that. Let them compete on what they want to compete on. For example, I know what I'm getting on Truth Social. I'm, most conservatives go over there. When you go on Twitter, you think you, uh, maybe you thought for a while, now it leans left, maybe you thought we are going to get more middle of the road. But the free market is making a decision on what's going on. That's why I worry about TikTok, a Chinese-controlled company becoming the number one uh, social media uh, destination and app. And now all of a sudden they're controlling the content and what we think. And we know they're trying to poison us in every way, whether it's fentanyl or, uh, or whether it's these, uh, these dance videos. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we all need to remember is that we need to empower the free market to operate. We need to make it so that if I don't like what's on Facebook, if I don't like what's on Twitter, I can go to these third-party alternatives like True Social, like Rumble, like Parler. And the way that that gets shut down is by giving the government more power. So one of the things that you've seen in this omnibus, and one of the things that we fought really hard to keep out as well, is efforts to give the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the Federal Trade Commission, all these uh, alphabet soup letter agencies, more power, more control over businesses and ultimately social media. And when the government has more power, that gives them more influence. So it wouldn't necessarily be the FBI saying, you must take this down. Mm -hmm. Instead, they can just kind of suggest, oh, if you don't take this down, then we might have to launch an investigation into one of your business practices. <laughs> and that's coercion absolutely. just in a different form. Yeah, and absolutely. I just wonder how high you don't know the interaction, as do I, the actual interaction with what happens in Washington. I think it's the sixth or seventh floor. And what's happening out on the West Coast in Silicon Valley with the FBI and going on. Did they go ahead? And when you get that, when you get that assignment, are you allowed to do whatever you want, or does Chris Ray know exactly what's taking place? Uh, so by bringing him in, either he's the king of England, or he's a the president of a company that knows exactly what's going on. Uh, so Carl, it's going to be interesting. Your job's not getting any easier uh, by the day. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great Christmas. Yeah, thanks to you, and uh, Merry Christmas. All right, call Zabo. Thank you. We come back. I'll take some calls. Find out if there's indeed more to know. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. More to know. Sponsored by Unplugged. Reclaim your privacy from big tech snooping with Unplugged. Visit Unplugged.com. All right, there we go. Unplugged.com. I'm so glad they're a sponsor. Now, what's going on? Because there is indeed more to know. YouTube TV, big news. Uh, they have named uh, Prime Ticket. Uh, they outbid. 
uh, ESPN, Apple, and Amazon, so YouTube gets it. The NFL makes the move official today when Roger Goodell, releasing a statement of the decision to go with Google, says we're excited to bring NFL tickets to YouTube TV, YouTube primetime channels, and usher in a new era of how fans across the United States watch and follow the NFL. Sunday ticket will now be available as an add-on package with YouTube TV. Uh, Patriots owner Robert Kraft, who does such a visionary uh, in all seriousness he is, uh, he is on that uh, broadcasting committee. He says, as the ways that fans enjoy football evolve in a changing media landscape, partnerships with innovators like YouTube will ensure more games are available for more fans. Do you think people know how to find it? They have YouTube. They'll figure it out, right? I think some will, but I worry about like what happened with the Yankees, even though they worked it out. What if your local team is on this and now you can't get it? Which we were always, you know, fans are always promising oh, yeah. access to your local teams. Will this affect that? Next, soccer legend Pele's health has taken a turn for the worse. He's 82 years old. He's got cancer. Evidently, it is uh, spreading. He's got elevated care for kidney and heart issues. He was one of the greatest athletes ever, won the World Cup in 1958, 62, and 1970. Uh, and, of course, he really uh, revitalized U.S. soccer in the 70s, played on the New York Cosmos. Uh, a great ambassador. We interviewed him a few times. Great guy. Next, parties can benefit and uh, your health and well-being. Researchers at Indiana University found that making an intentional effort to celebrate positive life events and achievements while gathering for food and drinks often leads to feeling more socially supported Therefore, you are healthier. This is according to the Journal of Public Policy and Marketing. The authors explain celebrations with three conditions. Social gathering, one. Eating or drinking, two. And intentionally recognizing a positive life event. So when you're at the event, make sure you stop. This is what bothers me about parties. If it's a baptism, at one point acknowledge it's a baptism. 50th anniversary, I like to salute the 50th anniversary. The big problem, I think people show up. They don't even, like a lot of people obligated. They don't even know why they're there. uh, And they can't wait to leave. How about acknowledging and celebrating the fact, oh, this is my fifth drink? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a whole different thing. Uh, by the way, one in four of you use Christmas ornaments from 50 years ago. Isn't that cool? I think we'll want them. I have, I have a lot of ornaments uh, from, my, from my family that go back a lot of years. Brian Kilmeade Show, thanks so much for listening. If you have to go away and not listen to the show tomorrow, uh, make sure you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.